If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today we've got Camilla Wishaw. Camilla is an equine naturopath. Now she's highly experienced, she's in demand globally, She's worked overseas. She's spent several years overseas working and collaborating with some of the world's best equine vets and health practitioners. Um, she believes it's important to educate and empower horse owners to help them make the most informed and beneficial choices for both their horses and themselves. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that today. So, uh, Camilla, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Glenn. How are you today? Oh, very well. Now, I had a quick chat to you beforehand about your being an equine naturopath. Yeah. You know, we sort of talk about naturopathy and naturopathy. Yeah. So tell us a bit, before we even get started, the correct terminology, what we should be using and what, you know, is also in accepted terms. Look, most of us, um, most naturopaths and most of us in the industry tend to say naturopathy. Okay. Um, but it can be a bit of a tongue twister. So you're quite entitled to say naturopathy, um, naturopathy. <laughs> so whatever comes out easiest. Um, and if you can say either of those without getting stuck midway through pronouncing the word, you're doing a very good job. Sometimes it's easier just to call you an equine naturopath. That's right, that's right. And that's what most people tend to do. All right, all right. Now, Camilla, we're going to start you off with a favourite quote. What would you say? Um, I loved she believed she could, so she did. Um, And we can also take a male version of that. He believed he could, so he did. But, um, yeah, I think she believed she could, so she did certainly resonates very well with me. Yes, and I think talk to a lot of people and they say, yep, you've got to – you know, there's a lot to do with mind power and to do with believing you can before anything's going to happen anyway. That's certainly right. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly anything with horses and in the industry, backing yourself um, and giving yourself the opportunities to succeed and do the very best you can be. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you not necessarily how you started with horses, but how you got started with your naturopathy. You did a, a naturopath qualification and you combined it with your equine skills. How did you get the idea to do that? Um, it was through some from my own personal health challenges. Um, in my final couple of years of school, I got uh, very sick. I had a virus similar to glandular fever um, and sort of being the highly driven and motivated person I was, kept pushing through, didn't give my body the resources it needed to recover and ended up developing chronic fatigue syndrome amid quite a few other things. And I had um, quite bad fibromyalgia and I'd gone from being an incredibly active, um, energetic um, athletic individual to being absolutely exhausted, um, bedridden and in constant pain. And there was nothing that conventional medicine could do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was put 
in touch with a very good uh, practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. Um, the philosophies and principles of that differ somewhat to naturopathy, um, but through regaining my health and well-being um, through through that treatment, it really opened my eyes to um, the world of naturopathy and natural health, and I knew I wanted to go down that path mm-hmm, after that mm-hmm. experience yep. um, and study that. But I was somewhat torn in that I'd always grown up working with horses on our family property, um, and I loved horses, and part of me really just wanted to go home and um, run the family stud. And then um, as time and experience went on, I saw that there were so many applications um, in the human world, in human medicine, um, in human naturopathy that overlapped so much um, with equine health, equine medicine. Yep. And that there was a real place in the market for someone with my combined knowledge and skills to mm. really make a positive impact. Yep. Um, so it was combining, sort of combining my skills um, and my passions and putting myself in situations where I could continue to develop and grow and acquire the information um, and resources and skills I need to really pursue this um, yeah. at yeah. a path. It's good, isn't it? You know, the equine world has developed so much and the fact that you can bring two skills together to improve the world of horses, um, it just it makes it a perfect career. Oh, it does indeed. It does mm. indeed. Um, and, you know, it's exciting. A lot of the things we've known and practised for a long time in naturopathy take quite a while to be recognised um, in the human um, in the pharmaceutical and medical world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a follow-on from that. So sort of in the last few years that in the equine world, um, in the last few years everyone's got excited about the equine gut microbiome and yep. the significance that may play in things like inflammation and immune health, mm-hmm. um, fertility, things like that. We've known and we've been practising those things in the world of naturopathy. Naturopaths have known this you know, and been practising it for 30, 40 years. <laughs> yes. Um, human medicine caught up with it sort of 10 or 12 years ago and now we're jumping on it in equine medicine. So in many senses, sort of traditional naturopathic practices and what we know in human medicine are often several steps ahead of the equine world. So it's fantastic to be able to put these things into practice with okay. your clients, with your yep. patients, get the results. And then often it's several years later um, that the research then comes along, equine-specific, to back it up. But yes. It's, it's been foundational to success in a lot of my cases yep. for quite some time. That's good. That's good. Yes, yeah, very cutting edge. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Now, because it is, you know, a bit... I don't want to say woo-woo because it's been scientifically proven, a lot of the stuff that you're doing, but it's still a bit different... Do you get people who've been with horses all their life and they say, oh, I've been with horses all my life and, you know, I never needed any of that fancy stuff? Do you get that or not? Look, I do, and I'm also very much, you know, there are woo-woo practitioners, um, <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, but there are woo-woo practitioners in all different fields of natural medicine mm-hmm. and whether that's body work, whether that's chiropractors or osteopaths or 
um, masseurs, but there are also those who are very, very good and very knowledgeable and skilled in their field. And although naturopathy can be seen as woo-woo, I'm very much of the training and the of the opinion that we need to take a scientific evidence-based medicine approach. Um, and so I can sometimes be seen as quite sort of more scientific and more conventional in some senses in my approach. Yep. And I'm very much of the opinion that any treatment I give a horse or any part of a therapeutic um, treatment plan, it needs to have clear um, and concise uh, therapeutic implications as to why I'm using it, and I need to have clear treatment aims and goals as to why I'm using a specific herb or nutrient. So, whenever I'm treating a horse and doing a treatment plan, I will clearly go through um, the pathophysiology of what's happening with the horse. So, quite often times I'll work in collaboration with different veterinarians and other mm-hmm. practitioners. Um, you'll have a clear understanding of the disease process or what inflammatory pathways we need to target or what's happening to um, the health of the joint. And then with that, I look at specific herbs and nutrients that will target those specific pathways. So rather than just going, um, you know, here's some devil's claw and a bit of this and a bit of that, Mm, you know, mm. let's fix your horse. I'll go, well, we need to target the COX-2 or COX-1 inflammatory pathways. We want to downgulate aridonic acid pathways or whatever the condition is you're treating, I get um, quite scientific and quite specific with it. So I okay. think that definitely brings credibility to what I do and certainly steers me away from being sort of a more woo-woo practitioner. So I suppose, the you know, thinking of our listeners, thinking, you know, what we're going to talk about today and, and they may decide to look at naturopathy or naturopathy, if they're thinking about it, they really should be going to someone who's got a scientific background, who looks at evidence-based research rather than just what they feel at the time. Is that sort of the main message there? Certainly, certainly. Um, okay. And often, you know, I'll come in on cases that are quite complex. Um, the owners seemingly exhausted all options for treatment for their horse and they're at wit's end. and we, I think we all do what we believe is in the best interest for our horses and we mm-hmm. want to do everything we can. And as such, owners will reach out and have tried some of the most ridiculous things and it upsets me at times to see out of wanting to do the best for their horse what owners have spent and gone through without any real understanding of why they've got a supplement and you just think, you know, you've wasted all this money without getting anywhere, but it's not surprising you haven't got anywhere because, you know, how can these different applications actually really work? So yeah. I think it's very important that you have um, any any practitioner you have has significant training and experience. Um, for me, having a bachelor degree, I, high, I hold um, in very high regard. Mm-hmm. And that I'm also um, a professional associate member yep. Um, yep. of natural health, natural medicine groups, which are very strict on their qualification requirements and your ongoing professional training and membership. Um, that's really important to me okay. because okay. a lot of um, alternate 
therapies, there's lack of regulation in the industry. So people can sort of call themselves a certain practitioner without necessarily having suitable qualifications behind them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, take out the equine out of naturopath. Yeah. What if to someone with, that just says, "Are you a doctor? Are you what? It, what describe what a naturopath does?" So, a naturopath is someone who helps to promote optimal health and well-being, whether it be in a person or an animal. Um, primarily using natural therapies such as Western herbal medicine, um, nutraceuticals, so therapeutic grade nutritional supplements. Um, and looking at dietary, um, lifestyle and management interventions. Um, that's guided by several um, principles. One of them being is one of the most important ones is first do no harm. So any treatment you look to implement or any adjustment you look to make to a patient, you've got to be very confident you're not going to cause them harm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing is we always treat the individual, not the disease. So although you need a very good understanding of a specific disease process a horse is um, undergoing, so it might be you have a horse with Cushing's disease or PPID, as we should refer to it, um, you need a clear understanding of what's happening um, to that and how your drugs such as pergolide address that. Mm -hmm. But you also need to look at the horse in front of you and understanding as a whole what is happening for that horse because that's where a lot of my success as a practitioner comes and a lot of successes um, that naturopathic practitioners achieve is because it's not one size fits all. You're treating an individual. So the factors that have contributed to one individual's health state is going to be very, very different to another Um and although there will always be modalities of different treatment plans that overlap, there are also key significant differences from case to case. So treating each individual um, is very, very important. So that's, yeah, another one of our key treatment aims. Yep, yep. I know you're a strong advocate for working in conjunction and collaboration with conventional veterinarians' practices where it's appropriate for the horse. I certainly am. I certainly mm. am. Um, Vets are amazing and what the work they do is amazing. And I yep. think, um, well, I don't think I know, I experience it all the time. Together we can help each other support um, the work that each other's doing, optimise the results um, that we achieve and in the long term get the very, very best outcome for the horse. So um, there are things vets will always be able to do that I can't through conventional medicine. Um, and there will similarly be things I can do that um, they wouldn't necessarily be able to okay. um, without specific herbs and nutrients um, and having the time and the knowledge to go through um, different applications of um, looking at therapeutic nutrition and different ways we can intervene in different um, different cases. So. Yeah. The yep. work very much complements each other. If someone as a career is interested in going down this path, I mean, you're obvious about, you know, get qualified, keep doing your research, keep up to date, stay in the professional associations. Is there anything else that you would like to say to them? Um, probably 
as with any facet of the horse industry, I think you need to be open and willing to learn. Okay, yes. Um, you need to be very prepared to put in the hard work, um, you know, heads down, thumbs up. Um, yep. yep. You know, I'm very fortunate in that I've also got a very strong um, practical background in hands-on mm-hmm. horsemanship and I think that has served me very, very well. It's certainly given me respect in the industry and it's also given me an intimate understanding of, you know, where things are naturally um, normal for a horse or behavioural issues, um, being able to read a horse and differentiate those things from, say, a horse that's not well or um, just picking up on those subtle things. So I think a strong um, strong horse foundation or horse experience foundation is important. Did, did your foundation come from your late father? Do you think that was the main influence there? Early on, mm-hmm. um, he certainly was a significant influence. Yep. He himself... Um, had no formal background or training. He was very, very much self, self-taught and he got into, into the industry um, and into working horse with horses quite well, sort of relatively late in life, in his sort of early 20s, whereas I suppose a lot of us are lucky enough to grow up with horses from the get-go. So definitely he was an influence, although I didn't really realise how much he was at the time until I look back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose with my working background um, and the travel I've been able to do and the experiences I've had, I've been incredibly fortunate um, to have picked up so many little pearls of wisdom, um, different things from different people. And, you know, a lot of these people are just, when I say just, they're not just, but they're, you know, stud hands or strappers or people at stables or a vet tech or a vet assistant, and you look, you learn from some of the biggest and best people in the industry, but you also pick up some of the most practical and handy little pearls of wisdom from people you'd least expect. And yes. combining that information and those experiences together, mm-hmm. um, you just develop a fantastic pool of resources. So I've been incredibly fortunate to have had great influences from all around the world. Um, from all different levels of experience and abilities. Um, And for that, I'm eternally grateful for. And it certainly helped to shape me into the practitioner I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about, you know, I'm thinking about the horses and horses that might have influenced you, but do you have a case study or a horse that you'd like to talk about that you think has made, that has helped you in your career? Certainly. Um, there's certainly been a couple of stallions with major fertility issues yep. um, and in sensitivity to um, confidentiality to some of the studs I've worked with. I won't, won't name sure. those yep. stallions. But one of them had had significant immune complications as well as a sudden drop-off in fertility. The stud was obviously very, very concerned about his fertility levels as being an incredibly valuable stallion. So they'd tried quite a few different things, um, conventional medications, a few, I say in inverted commas, natural supplements um, with no success. And again, I came in a breast advice looking at this horse as a holistic case. So looking 
what he was receiving nutritionally, the medications he'd been on, the management practices, um, stresses he had in his life. I was looking at the fact that you know this horse was also overweight, which we know affects fertility through inflammation and um, through decreasing testosterone levels, um, inadvertently through increasing estrogen levels um, in the stallion. So pulling together um, all the factors of this case. Long story short, was after treatment, um, I had him on several months of treatment leading into the stud season, went on and had his highest level of fertility ever. Wow. Um, and this was an ageing stallion. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, they'd had to limit his books. His booking numbers um, were open right, right up. So that was a really, really satisfying case. Good. And to see the transformation in the horse himself when I started with him, he was overweight, lacking muscle tone, was really quite cranky, just looked like a depressed flat um, horse. Mm-hmm. And the change is not only his character, his nature, his energy levels, um, his muscular tone, his skin, the chronic infections he'd been battling on and off clear up. It was it was a completely rejuvenated horse in front of you. And then obviously from the stud wow. point of view, the fact that his fertility levels went up. Yes. Um, Amazingly, yes. that was the result that we're concerned about, and obviously that was a very, very important thing. part of the treatment. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, that was just the icing on the cake. Um, there have been several other stallions since too, and I think this reminds you know just a nice way to remind treating each horse as an individual. Mm-hmm. All these stallions had fertility issues, but we look as a naturopath. I look at um, the different elements of their fertility issues. So is it that they've got low testosterone levels? Is it that their sperm um, has poor motility? Is it that the sperm has poor morphology? Key um, differences in those contributors to infertility will really dictate the treatment I give them. So again, you know, all these stallions, there were overlapping elements of treatment that that were the same, but there were also different herbs and nutrients I used. Mm-hmm. Um, and different applications in the different stallions because I was targeting different therapeutic aims. Yep, yep. But always turning a stallion's fertility around is really, really oh, satisfying yes. because usually A, you're one of the last resorts brought in, and B, because there's such a huge um, financial impact, mm-hmm. um, certainly mm-hmm. for your more-in-demand um, stallions, yep, especially yep. in the thoroughbred industry um, and especially for those bigger studs. So. I love those cases. Um, but in saying that, I've had some equally rewarding um, cases, you know, for horses that may be of very little financial value but mean the world to their owners. Um, you know, the backyard backyard pony who's um, been chronically laminitic or sort of been quite crippled with neurological changes. Um, some of the turnarounds in some of those cases have been quite humbling and, again, really, really rewarding, and especially when you see how much it means to to their owners who, you know, often their horses are children to them. Yes, so. yes. What about when you get called in, especially to these big studs, is it that they've had vets and the vets have referred you on? How does that work? Often um, it's by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's referral, I find. 
more so overseas it's referral than here in Australia. Here in Australia, it sort of tends to be more um, word of mouth, whereas overseas, I'm fortunate enough to have several vets that will effectively um, develop a bit of a waiting list for when I go over and have okay. cases that they refer me on to when I visit. Yep. But I think we're a bit behind the ball game here in Australia and we're still a bit guarded and hesitant in our practices. I think so often it's when people are at a stage of desperation and they, they feel they've exhausted their mm-hmm. options and they'll go, you know, well, you're our last chance. We'll give you a go. We've got nothing <laughs> to lose. Yes. Um, but it, those sort of cases are incredibly rewarding and usually you've got so many things you can work with mm-hmm. by that stage that make a difference, um, a positive difference that it's great. But it is funny, a couple of vets I work with go, doesn't it upset you that, you know, you see the horse at this state where if you'd seen it months ago before everything else had happened, that, you know, you could have got a much easier case to work with. And I go, yeah, but, it, you know, it's really rewarding to come in um, at this stage. And I think people then really realise yes. um, what you do works mm. and they mm. really have an appreciation for it. Yep. Um, yeah. But I like I like to work in collaboration where I can because I think it benefits everyone. Um, there will be cases where um, the owners or managers will call me in um, independently. So I work I work with what works best. Yep. Yep. In each situation. What do you think is a common problem? I'm I'm just thinking of a lesson for our listeners. You know, is there there's something that um, is a common problem or is it different, you know, as you say, different with every horse? Um, it's really, really different. Like I see so many variations um, of conditions I treat, whether they be illnesses or injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, often there are a lot of immune cases or cases with horses that are starting to thrive or um just don't look well, but, you know, they've had bloods run and everything's normal and they've tried them on alter the programs and nothing's improved or I get a lot of those sort of cases. Yep. I get a lot of chronic case, cases of infertility or subfertility, okay. um, both in mares and stallions. And I tend to get a lot of osteoarthritic cases and joint cases, mm-hmm. joint health cases. Mm-hmm. Um what sort of things do you do for those, you know, like the arthritic cases? What, what do you do? What can people learn if they, if you're a little bit too far away to get to to ask? What can they do to, for their own horses? So it's looking at, again, it's looking at everything holistically. It's, mm-hmm. There are several nutrients, you know, things like glucosamine, um, chondroitin, your omega-3 fatty acids, specifically your EPA and DHA, things like that, which can be implemented effectively. Um, there are brilliant herbs which you select um, depending on the case, bless you. Um, things like devil's claw and muric and things like that. But we need to look at things in a holistic perspective. So I can go and give a horse, you know, the best omega-3 fatty acids, but if they're not in a form that the horse is able to readily metabolise and digest and utilise, then they're going to have very little therapeutic um, effect. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing is if 
you come in and supplement omega-3s, yes, they will be beneficial. Um, but if your horse is on an incredibly high-fat high fat diet that's rich in omega-6s, that's going to be promoting inflammation in the horse. So you can give all the therapeutic um, intervention you want, but if you're not addressing concurrent um, and sustaining factors, you're not going to achieve the very best results you can. Um, so the more in cases of arthritic horses, if your horse is a horse that you ride sporadically, but when you ride him, you expect him to do a lot, well, there's, you know, it's no surprise that you're going to contribute to the inflammatory process and the pain. And again, you want to be looking at maintaining that horse at a healthy weight because if they're overweight, they're going to be producing more inflammatory mediators um, and they're also going to have more weight and stress going through the joints. Um, it's looking at any medications you might have the horse on routinely that um, are modifying your inflammatory pathways and or disrupting your bowel flora, which we know is going to contribute to inflammation. So I think I find that sometimes upsetting or frustrating when people think there's just one magic pill or potion or nutrient or herb that will fix or resolve a problem. Um, and again, I think that's a really important part I play in educating the clients of all the different factors that contribute and all the different areas where they can make positive changes. Um, and I think it's also an area we need to be um, focusing on too because marketing in our industry has got so um, specialised and so effective that people are led to believe that, you know, if they just give this herb or this yes. tonic or this yep. nutrient, then all their problems, all their horses' problems will go away. But we need to be able to read behind that mm-hmm. um, and look at the evidence supporting it and look at its overall application. Because, again, you can give a horse the most expensive, best therapeutics, but if they can't metabolise and absorb and utilise them, then it makes for very expensive urine or very expensive manure. And yes. Again, the best the best nutrients can't offset poor management practices, um, which contribute to a disease state. So it's looking looking at all the factors we can address um, to optimise that horse's health and well being and performance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of my one of my key takeaways is there's no single magic supplement um, or treatment, I believe, for any condition that can be sustained in terms mm-hmm. of long-term beneficial effects. Okay, okay, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now, have a look, horsechats.com. I'm just thinking, do you have an option if people are overseas or do would like to talk to you if they call you? And do you can do phone consults or video consults or anything like that? Yeah, I do yeah, phone yeah. and online um, okay, good. and email consults. Yep. Um, I take a very, very thorough case history in those. I like constant updates, mm, um, photos mm. and videos. Yep. And although... Certainly, I think it's more beneficial to be there in person and see the horse yourself. I do have remote clients I work with um, and whose horses we've achieved fantastic results with doing things remotely. So, again, it's about making the best of the situation at hand. Um, And for some people, that that means, you know, 
consulting overline and remotely. Mm. Um, and again, those sort of cases when you've got an open-minded vet or other practitioners on board, I love to get their input um, and thoughts in on those sort of cases too. So yeah. I think, you know, I certainly place a great deal of importance about being open, um, open with all practitioners involved in communicating um, your treatment goals um, and possible interactions that different herbs, trance and drugs mm-hmm. may all have with each other. Yep, yep. What are you looking forward to now? You know, I mean, I know that you're open-minded and you're sort of always researching new methods, but is there anything else uh, that you're looking forward to that you're, um, that you're possibly doing in the near future? Um, definitely continuing um, to consult locally, nationally, nationally and globally um, yeah. and maybe look at consulting in a bit more in Europe. Um, I do quite a bit in the US a bit in New Zealand and a bit here. Um, I'd love to collaborate with more practitioners here in Australia um, and particularly Victoria. Certainly I'm very, very fortunate with those that I already currently collaborate with, vets and other practitioners, but I think the more people um, that can work in conjunction with each other um, and are open-minded and helping educate each other, the better. So I'd certainly love to keep developing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, down the track, I'd love to implement um, educational components, um, of, you know, different therapeutic interventions, feed management practices, the use of supplements um, in different horse educational programs, pony clubs, that area, because I think teaching people basics, what to look out for, um, things they can do on an individual scale Safely, I think that's a really, really great foundation to start. So getting involved in some of those areas more so, I'd, I'd love to do. Okay. Um, and I think definitely down the track, getting um, involved in more research programs myself and directing some research studies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in universities and things like that, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Good. Yeah, so that, that's sort of the direction I'm headed. But um First and foremost, I love my consulting, not a horse girl. I love <laughs> okay. being hands-on. I love seeing the results in front of me. But I'm fortunate that there are so many avenues um, to explore and to um, get stuck into. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited for a lot of things. <laughs> All right, and I'm just going to ask you before we go, just to sum your philosophy up, and I know that you, you know, your horses are individuals. You've you've already made that very very clear that every horse is an individual case. But if you're going to sum up the whole idea of being an equine naturopath, helping horses, what would you say? I'd say it's all about um, optimising equine health, wellbeing and performance, um, using a holistic holistic and integrated approach, um, combining your scientific evidence-based medicine um, and traditional naturopathic practices. Um, and as you've so brilliantly wrapped up, treating each horse as an individual in front of you. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's that's my philosophy. <laughs> okay, Camilla, if people would like to contact you, what's the best way? Um, they can jump on the web and visit my website, www.optimequine. That's all one word, so optimequine.com. 
um, they can email me, Camilla, C-A-M-I-L-L-A, at optumequine.com. They can also jump onto Facebook and follow Optum Equine on Facebook. Um, I often post sort of little handy snippets of research or information or tips or things to consider on there. And on my webpage, you will find uh, my email and my phone number. So if you didn't write the email down, if you jump on the website, you can easily click on contact me. So, yeah, please feel free. Feel free to get in touch. All right. And if you miss those details, they'll be on horsechats.com slash Camilla Weishaw or else just go to horsechats.com, search for Camilla or search for Weishaw and you'll find those details on Camilla's page as well. Fantastic. Camilla, thank you for coming. Thank you for all that information you've given us. I think people will start to look now a little bit broader if their horses, if they need something, if something's just not working for their horses. And and great to know that you do do distance consults if they do need to talk to you and they've got the contact details and everything. So thank you for talking to us today and we hope to have you back again sometime soon to talk in a bit more depth about some of these areas. Thanks so much, Glennis. It's been fantastic. And, yeah, I look forward to talking more again soon and connecting with your fantastic audience more. So thank thank you you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.